This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. Have I got an episode for you today? This is Brian Kaskavalsian, and welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. In this episode, I interview Ron Greenbaum, the basement doctor. Ron has got so much real-world practical experience, it's going to make your head spin. We talk about his humble beginnings. We talk about how he grew his business from small business, half a million dollars to six and a half million dollars, and then realized, oh crap, we're not making any money, and how he fixed it. How now he employs hundreds of people, even working on a national franchise. He's got a supply company. He's got a marketing company. He's got a real estate company. This guy is the real deal. And by the way, he only works on stuff that he likes working on. But what I really got from this interview myself was the importance of company culture. And Ron has developed quite a company culture at The Basement Doctor. So um, Ron is also one of my guests at Accelerate Live 2018, happening February 7th and 8th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. If you want more information about the event, there, there are some tickets still available. You can go to accelerateevent.com. And now let's get to it. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. And of course, I've got another really good episode for you. On today's episode is Mr. Ron Greenbaum, the basement doctor. Now, I got to tell you, I got a package. I don't know how long. It was a couple of years ago. I got a package in the mail. You know, I love mail with a handwritten letter and Inside was this little book called The Basement Doctor, From the Ground Up, 25 Things I Believe by Ron Greenbaum. This is an awesome little book. So I invited Ron to come on and talk with us about some of these things he believes. So Ron, thank you for being here and taking the time to uh, talk to us about some of the things that you believe and how to grow a business and make money and have fun. Well, Brian, thanks so much for having me. It's really an honor to be on with you today. Great. So, Ron, can you tell everybody, kind of give everybody the the two-minute version of where you started and what your business looks like today? Well, Brian, we actually just celebrated our 30th uh, anniversary here uh, about a month ago. And uh, what we do is uh, we do basement waterproofing, structural repair, and, you know, we kind of have a drumbeat as a company, and that is uh, we started out just doing waterproofing, which made it a, a drier uh, home or business. And then we uh, started doing structural repair and got involved with mold remediation and also um, insulation and other things. So our drumbeat today as a company is a drier, cleaner, healthier, safer, more energy efficient home. And we focus on... Uh, basements and crawl spaces, and uh, we've been doing it for 30 years. Wow. How many employees today? We only own uh, one location as a contractor, which is uh, Central Ohio. We 
market to about 1.3 million people, and that location has 100 employees. We wow. also license our trademark, and uh, we have under that umbrella is probably more like uh, two, a little over 200 people. So as the Basement Doctor trademark, there's about 200 people. So not only do you have your own business that you've built and managed, but now you've also helped a couple hundred other people in business. Does that sound right? Yeah. That, well, it's a couple hundred people, families make a living, absolutely. And all the uh, licenses, we, we've just recently launched a, a national franchise as the Basement Doctor, but uh, we've really been kind of playing with it for 10 years to get it right. You know, it takes a minute. Yeah. But so there's five others, in a, and we cover right now probably, I think, seven or eight states. So those people do everything we do, and uh, they use our trademarks and our marketing and some most of our products, things like that. So it's uh, a business opportunity, and I gave it to my employees originally, financed most of them, and they're doing fantastic. That's great. So the reason I ask that is because you know, your perspective on business is not only local, but it's also expansion into other markets. And, you know, sometimes it's easier. I was in the franchise business also, and dealing with franchisees is not easy. Dealing with other people and helping other entrepreneurs sometimes is harder than controlling it all yourself. And so, there's probably a lot to learn here, and that's, again, for the listener, that's part of the reason why I've asked Ron to join us. You know, I wanted to ask you, Ron, when you first started, was it just you? Well, no, I had. I actually started selling basement waterproofing for a competitor. Okay. I did that for a couple of years. Then I met a gentleman who had a small home improvement company. We really hit it off, and... Uh, he, uh, he had three partners. He was basically in the home improvement industry, and he was losing money. Yeah, like He had about a half a million to a three-quarters of a million-dollar company, and uh, he was at his wit's end. He came from a, the finance end of the world, worked Wells Fargo, which is, well, a company that's now Wells Fargo. But anyway, he uh, really uh, didn't understand the sales and marketing process at all. He understood how to run a business, but... We hit it off, and we were partners for 27 years. I just recently bought all of the business. We were involved with a number of businesses, and he retired about a year ago. Wow. Okay. So when you went into the business, the business really wasn't making money. No, and he had a number of partners. They were doing a lot of home improvement projects, which are tough to make money on anyway, and they really didn't quite understand that whole concept, but after the first, I grew the company from that half a million after uh, three and a half years, we were doing six and a half million and uh, just about went out of business because it was, there were no controls in place whatsoever. So that was the first big red flag was don't go into somebody that can grow, you know, grow your business like that if you're not ready for it. Well, you know, what's interesting about that, Ron, is that today, you know, a lot of the companies you talk with, they're doing great, but they're doing great. You got to ask them a few more questions. Um, they're selling a lot, but if you ask them about profit margin, gross margin, net margin, a lot of them are confused, number one, and number two, they're just not sure. They're running so fast 
they think that, oh, I'm turning, you know, $4 million or $5 million or three or whatever the number is, and there's no money at the bottom line. Interesting that you said that. I, uh, I, did, I, I was at an awards dinner the other night. I actually got an award, and one of the other people that got an award is a, was a major roofing contractor in our area, and he was doing $40 million worth of business, and we had a discussion afterwards he tried he basically we talked for probably a half an hour after everybody left because he was in so much pain yeah. doing 40 million dollars and i knew it because he said well we're in a growth mode that's that is code for we're not making any money right so i'm actually meeting with him uh here in about a week to kind of look at things and uh, one of the things i you know i do and he's a friend so i'm i'm doing it just kind of to help him out to try to figure out why he's not I, I already know why in my mind but yeah. I, I'm gonna prove it and uh, but yeah you hear so you're exactly right big big problem easy it's pretty easy I wouldn't say it's easy but a lot of people grow to that three to four million dollar level but after that making money becomes a lot more difficult because your overhead uh, usually uh, expands uh, to, to make that growth happen and if you don't have systems in place and the right people, you're in big trouble. What were some of the things that you did to go from not making money at six and a half million dollars to, um, to making money? Well, that's a great question, Brian. We probably don't have long enough, but I'll, I'll give you the base. Give me the highlights. Okay. What happened was the first thing I did was I walked into the sales meeting. I had 21 salespeople and I said, half of you won't be here at the end of this month, probably. And they looked at me and said, you're putting me out of business because you're not, I'm in the basement waterproofing business. And the example I used, I said, if I was in the car wash business, then I'd want to bring cars in. We're not going to bring in buses or semis or aircraft carriers. You guys are, are out of control. You know, you're, you're promise, making a lot of promises. You're, uh, and we just can't deliver on what you're, you're doing. And it was our fault because at the time, our paperwork was just, was just sell, sell, sell. We'll figure out how to install it. I had opened, you know, offices an hour or two hours away from corporate headquarters. So the first thing I did by getting it, I decided we were going to pre-inspect every single job, period. I don't care if it was a $500 job or a $50,000 job. We were going to send the foreman out that was going to do the job ahead of time and actually charge hundred or hundred and fifty dollars to the commission of the job in order to pay for that and the foreman were going to do it after hours and they were going to do it on Saturdays or Sundays because I didn't want them to leave the jobs and the bottom line is it's still to this day has been amazing for us and customer satisfaction level went from at the time probably 50 or 60 percent to probably 99 percent and I can say that because we pull everybody to it was you know we we survey and survey and survey our customers both verbally through uh all kinds of services and we have two people that uh do nothing but reputation management for us that call everybody after the work's done so because that's the center of, of our company it's making people happy it was one of the things we did at that time plus we found some other products that weren't as labor intensive uh, to install, and uh, that helped tremendously as well. So we found solutions to the problem, but we uh, and I even closed up one of the offices because it was just too far away. 
Yeah, because you see that a lot right now is you've got people that are turning money and I call it turning money because a lot of times they, they're just not, it's not profitable money. It's just money that's turning. And then what they're doing is then they're spending more on marketing. They're spending more on office. They're spending more. They're just increasing their overhead to turn more money. You know, what you said, I've talked with a number of people over the last few months about exactly what you've talked about is you, you've got to look at the type of projects that you're doing, be really good at the ones that you are like yesterday, yesterday, I was talking with one of my best clients. He's been a client for six years. And he said, Brian, you know, I want more roofing leads because roofing, we can go in and go out day or two. We're done. He said, half of my business now is remodeling and remodeling, as you know, is a pain. You have to have designs. You need all kinds of things can go wrong. You can't really set up a process or a system for it, and it can get away from you. So he wants more replacement stuff. And uh, so I think that's great. Um, you lowered your overhead. What's one more thing that you did? I know there was one more thing that you did. What, what was that? We hired better people. Yeah. We really defined... We have a real clear definition of who we know, who we want to bring into our organization in every single position. You know, I'm, I'm in a really good position right now because we've won the best place to work award in our area three years in a row. And uh, also a lot of, you know, we've been at it for 30 years. We, we uh, again, are very, very well known. We're a household name in, in most of the markets we're in. So, and I, we do work with a lot of, uh, different uh, charities and have for years. It's not caused marketing. It's just part of our culture. So th those are some of the things we did. I mean, we did a lot of different things, but yeah. primarily uh, I just hired better people and we started holding people way more accountable. That's a big issue, isn't it? I mean, I quite frankly, I have a problem with holding people accountable. It's not the easiest thing to do, is sure. it? It's confrontational. What's interesting is how we now do it. We do it up front through not contracts, but job descriptions that define what uh, the parameters are of the job. And, and we're a pay for performance company. So anywhere from two to 8% of uh, people's income come from profit sharing. You know, a lot of companies call it bonuses, but uh, by being a pay for performance company, that the people hold themselves a lot more accountable because there's criteria before you get that bonus or profit sharing. And uh, that's the other thing we did was uh, because we offer for literally Fortune 100 benefits, profit sharing. You know, we pay for a huge part of our uh, people's insurance. And we, we've done it for years. And it's, it's some years it's kind of painful, but we really feel it's, it's very strong. But if you, for instance, our salespeople, when we hire them, they sign about a three-page agreement that defines their job description and says, you know, we expect a certain closing percentage after a certain period of time. We expect an average dollar per lead, an average dollar per sale. We define everything. So it doesn't become quite as emotional if they don't make it. They, and we reserve the right to say, you know what, there's a, you know, I'm in an act of God business. So let's say we're in a drought and, or, you know, and, and, uh, we don't have as much waterproofing biz or, or whatever, then we reserve the right to say, you know, there's an extraordinary circumstance that so we're going to give you some more time. How do you pay for all of this? Because people listening will say, well, yeah, okay, 
that sounds great. Fortune 100 benefits, we pay for their insurance, we do profit sharing. All of that stuff sounds like it costs a lot of money. How do you pay for all of that? Well, I'll address it, but I'll tell you, not doing it costs you way more money. <laughs> Having the wrong people out there costs you a lot of money. The front line affects the bottom line. If you're a contra or in any service business, the front line is uh, affects the bottom line. That's when I say things more than once. I, I feel they're really, really important. So I'm going to say it one more time. The front line affects the bottom line. So you must have the right people out there. We charge what we need to for the. We're ultimately not paying for it. The customers paying for it. Yeah. So we're not afraid to charge what's necessary because our customers want the right people out there in their homes or their businesses to do the work and. We invest probably, we're, we're willing to invest $10,000 into bringing in a new salesperson because our average salesperson first year in does about $1.2 and I can prove these numbers. We, our average new salesperson and that, our average sale is about $10,000 and they do $1.2 on an average. Wow, that's impressive. Last year, we only had eight salespeople, and they averaged more than that. They averaged about $1.4 in Central Ohio. And that's not the people that do our annual maintenance or our service sales or whatever. We do about 10 to 12% of our business uh, on service sales and uh, annual maintenance to our customers. So I want to point out, I want to loop back to something that you said that is golden, and I want everybody to hear it again. When I asked Ron the question, how do you pay for it? He said that they charge what's necessary. Charge what's necessary. And he didn't say, I charge to be lower priced than my competition. He didn't say, I charge to be equal, you know, what my competition is charging. He said he charges what's necessary in order to run the business that he wants to run. And for all intents and purposes, it's working. He's been at it for 30 years. My question to you, Ron, is what do you say? Because that's one of the things that I'm up against a lot. When I go out and I do speaking, like I, I certainty um, the last couple of years has had me go out and we've done I think 17 or 18 cities in the last couple of years. We're going to do 10 more next year. And we do these one day workshops on marketing and sales and profitability. And the whole, one of the things that most every company that's sitting in the room, if they just raised their prices just a little bit and became that much more valuable to their customers, it would solve so many of their problems, but they're just, afraid to do it what do you say to that well i'd ask why i mean i you know i always like to ask questions i'd like to understand why a, com a cheaper price is never a competitive advantage right a fair price is a you know what is it that they, they don't feel why do they not feel their work is worth more than the what's their brand about you know people don't buy from trademarks or certain the name certainty they there's a when people talk about the basement doctor i hope that they have an emotional attachment to, because and i know they do because people come up to me daily i'm the face of my brand i do all my own uh, commercials and have for a long period of time 
people come up to me and they say, you know, if I didn't have a basement, I would uh, use you to fix my basement. And I say, why? Well, because of your reputation. Then let's say, and somebody else says, comes up to me and they say, well, you know, I know you do great work. I say, oh, good. We've done, you're a customer? No, you're not a customer. I just know you. So the feeling is out there. And that's what a real, what a trademark or a brand really is. You know, when, when kids think about McDonald's, you know, they think about their marketing, but they also think about, you know, any, any brand that really is worthwhile. They, again, they charge what they have to do because they built that reputation in order to do that. So if you're not, if you don't feel that way about your brand, then something's not right. Right. Yeah. Good advice. So let's talk about this little book. From the ground up, 25 things I believe. I, I, I love this little thing. And like, you know, before we, we started the recording, I told you, you said, you know, this is your, your big business card. And I'm a big believer in books as business cards. Um, it's actually something that I help some of my clients with. But can we talk about a few of the things that you believe, some of the things from this book? Yeah, I just real quick want to talk about just the origination that was part of a speech i gave to uh columbus state university the largest junior college in the country and they asked me to speak and uh i really did not feel good about what i was going to talk about so on the treadmill that more and again part of it is and you're gonna part of that talks about my wife and she suggested the that i bring up what i believe in and what i'm about and that's really how i started that so that's where this book it came from cool how long have you been married 31 years actually on august 31st once in a lifetime when your anniversary is the same amount of years you're uh, married so august 31st we were married for 31 years wow that's awesome congratulations thank you all right i love i i love all of them but i just we can't talk about all all of them we could talk about maybe three or four of them in the time we have left so um i wanted to start sure. I wanted to start with number five. I believe in taking okay. risks, jumping off a cliff, and growing wings on the way down. It's a great one. I love. I, I, I love that one. Yeah, that sounds a little scary, though. Well, if you're going to be an, well, isn't being an entrepreneur? I mean, at the end of the day, as an entrepreneur, you're putting your cash down and saying, "Hey, um, it's worth it to me to have my freedom, and it's worth it to me to live a great life." and that's what. That's why I'm an entrepreneur. So, isn't that worth the risk? Yeah. Having those two. Those are my two principal things. I wake up every day saying, "I love my life." I, I'm Warren Buffett. I don't. I don't necessarily. I make my own day. I figure out. I'm sitting out here in my pool, talking to you right now. I hope the lawn. They're cutting the lawn and stuff. So it might be too. But that's you know. That's why I, I've done this for 30 years for to have that kind of freedom. Yeah. Well, and guess what? That goes into the other one that I kind of marked up is I believe in enjoying life. Number 12. Right. Yeah. I mean, why, you know, again, I mean, if you, if you run your business the right way, if you bring in great people, you know, as I mentioned that in Columbus, I have a hundred people in just one business. I own multiple business, but in just that one business, and uh, I probably won't talk to them today. And, uh, you know, my only rule I, I give them is real simple. Don't get me sued. And, 
let's make sure, and I look at the bank account because you know at the end of the day that's how you know if you have a successful business. All the I'm a big numbers crutch here, but my number one number I want to look at is what's in the bank. Yeah, numbers are important in business, aren't they? Yeah, I am ridiculous numbers cruncher, and I've gotten you know, and and I think it's hereditary because my daughter, who's uh, going to be taking over a big part of this business, she's she's probably worse than me. But yeah, you need to know where you stand. You need to set your uh, your goals, your benchmarks. You know, we know. Otherwise, how do you know how you're doing? You know, we do job costing, we do inventory control. You know, I keep, people. They're just out there doing work, and they don't understand the basics of what you're in business to do, which is to make a profit. And the best way to make a profit is know your numbers. Well, and I'll tell you something, Ron, that's really interesting. All of the most successful people I know in this business, in any business, but let's just you know stay with our industry, in the home improvement industry, they know they're not. Right. They know their numbers inside. A good friend of mine, Brian Elias, I think you know Brian at 1-800-Hansons. You ask... Yeah, oh, absolutely, sure. Yeah, you ask, you ask Brian, what was your... What would you... What little number could you ask? What was your lead cost last month? Your overall blended lead cost right. last month? He'll know it. And, yeah. you know, you ask him, well, how much did you guys sell yesterday? He doesn't know if he doesn't know it off the top of his head within three minutes. He has that number. Numbers. Well, are I have that number. That's the other. I I have that number. I have my sales uh, text to me or emailed to me every single uh, morning for the yeah. day before for all my business. He's got that too, but he's also like he can go to his phone and just you know punch in a few things, and within a couple minutes he knows exactly what all the numbers were. It's critical, I think, and and a lot of people don't. Well, he's probably still involved. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Um, I, I don't do that because I just can't anymore. I, I just expect other people. To, I've trained them to do it. Yeah. But you're right. If you're still day-to-day, -day, he's probably a little more day-to-day -day than I am. You want to uh, absolutely. And in this day and age, you better have that kind of technology. I mean, we're right now I'm scrapping about a half a million dollars worth of uh, um technology software and and uh, uh because i'm just not happy they've advanced it beyond where we're at right now in fact we want platforms that are we're literally uh funding the companies to write them because they don't even know how to do it the right way so we're working our it people are working hand in hand to get platforms because i need it for my franchises i, I want them to be able to run their company so we're we're working diligently right now to come up with the state-of-the-art software for the home improvement industry right great uh, this might be the last one we could talk about but i this is another one that i just i it, i think is really good is number 17 i believe in education despite the fact that i'm a college dropout yeah that's a yeah that's really true you know Perfect example is my daughter, who's uh, 29 years old, who is doing a program at the Fisher School of Business, number five business school in the whole country, and she's working full time, but she's getting her master's degree because she promised me, she said, I, I didn't let her work in the company when she graduated with her undergrad degree. I said, get out in the world. And she worked for some pretty big outfits. She worked for Victoria's Secret in their marketing, and at the age of 24, she... Uh, had a big time job and she worked 
for some ad agencies and all over the country. And she went to Spain and was there working for a PR and ad agency for uh, four months. So she's had a lot of it. So finally, she convinced my wife that it was time for her to come back into the business. And even though my wife's not involved in the business, she knew that was the way to get back in. Great. So I do believe in education. And, I, and I'm sorry, but I find that the best people that I'm hiring right now, not everybody, but the best people that I'm hiring are honor students coming out of uh, high school or college. Honor students. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, but that makes sense, though. Yeah. You know, that makes sense because they work hard, right? They work hard and they're smart as anything. And, uh, you know, here's our, I'll give you a real quick, I don't know how much time, but this is real quick. This is our criteria for hiring people. They must be uh, uh, honest, period. We will not tolerate dishonesty. You can make a lot of mistakes and we'll try to help you and train you up and coach you. But if you're dishonest, we'll chop your head off in a minute. <laughs> you must uh, have the ability to absorb the training. I believe people train themselves and, uh, but we put it out there. And, uh, just like if you were going to school, we, we coach that way. You must absorb the training for the job you're doing. If you can't, we may try to find another position, but otherwise, you know, we're not, you know, we all agree. It's just not a good fit. And, uh, number three, they must have a passion for what they're doing. And particularly for our, whatever the brand is they're working at in my companies, they must be passionate and enthusiastic about that brand above our else that's 99 percent of it and then number four is the toughest one of all and they have to follow what we do they must we call it playing beethoven beethoven if you're playing beethoven you play it exactly the way beethoven wrote the music when you work in my company we want you to do it exactly what the way we said to do it because if not we know after 30 years we've made every mistake known to man we don't want you to make those mistakes. And I think that's why we've been pretty strong in bringing salespeople aboard that first month in the business can do $100,000 because they, we train them that way. And they, they do the presentation the right way, and, and they learn to ask the right questions. They learn enough. And that enthusiasm usually gets them through the first month or two. Then they hit a wall, and then we figure out where they lack but in the training. But if they stick to the program they're going to be successful. So that's really our hiring, our hiring criteria for everybody at those companies. So look, I'm going to say to everybody listening to this, you know, Ron, with Ron's experience and some of the things that he said in this, in this episode, I think you go back and listen to this again, and you're going to get a bunch more stuff through it. I'd go back with a, uh, a notepad and a pen and just note a few of the really key things that Ron said about people, about process, about profit. I think that you, this could be one of the most valuable episodes of the, the podcast for listen to them before. Um, if you're new here, either way, I think that they're all very valuable, but I think, you know, there's, there's a few things in there that were just golden nuggets that, I, as somebody who uh, spends a lot of time with people like Ron and sees the commonalities in very successful people, um, he's given you the golden keys. So I would suggest going back and listening to this again. Ron, is the book available? Is like, Can people get it? Yeah, it's free. 
you just email me at rgreenbaum at mybasementdoctor.com. And unfortunately, that's all spelled out, but it, it is what it is. We'll put it into the show notes. Okay, my other book is available on Brandface for the home improvement contractor on how to grow, brand, whether you're your own brand or whether you want to grow a brand. It's a textbook about how to grow a brand. That's available at Amazon. Brandface. Brandface. Okay, cool. That's it. Yeah, Brandface for the home improvement contract. Okay. Well, look, I would love to have you back again because there's a whole lot more stuff we can talk about. I still have a bunch of little post-it notes in the book that we didn't even get to. Um, but I think you dropped enough, again, golden keys that everybody listening can, can just go back and you're better off not getting more information. Just go back and listen to this one again and you'll get a ton of really great advice from um, a guy that's been there and done that for 30 years. So um, that wraps this episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Um, thank you, Ron. I appreciate you taking the time to be here, and I'll see you all next time. All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor. I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. The Wealthy Contractor Podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit www.gfourmarketing.com. Or just call us at 305-856-8788 to schedule your free, no-obligation, wealthy contractor strategy session. Now, during this strategy session, we're going to look at eight key performance factors in your business, and we're going to help you uncover opportunities for growth, for leads, for sales, and for profit. And finally... We started the Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the Wealthy Contractor. Now, the Wealthy Contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing. Group.